Okay, everybody, welcome back. Great American Dynasty podcast, episode 10. And officially down in the dumps, um, have to have to say, um, you know, looking, looking at the past, let's just say, four series, because when you look at the schedule, you think we've played Detroit, the Cubs, St. Louis and Pittsburgh in our last last 12. Um, and we are four and eight against teams that we should probably be eight and four at least against. Um, and it's really put us back to the point of we are now behind the St. Louis Cardinals in the standings. Um, and I think we said it good and well in last episode, um, two things that I would like to point out about last episode that we said, we said that if we are, if we're looking a week from last week, so right about now, um, we, and we're in the same spot, we're in trouble. Um, we said that because now you've got LA and as Blake just pointed out, we have three of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, we face Bueller on Friday, Scherzer on Saturday, and then to wrap it up, probably the third best pitcher out of all three, Kershaw on Sunday. Um, you know, looking for a, a tough task right there. And I would also like to point out something that you said last episode where um, you know, it's it's good and well that we have the one of the easiest schedules in baseball, but it really sucks now that we actually have to play the games. You know, I, I said um, a few episodes ago, too, that you control your own destiny. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, obviously the, the, the division's way out of the question now, but... Um, you're staring down the barrel at you're already staring down the barrel at one of the best rotations in baseball, one of the best rosters in baseball period uh, the Dodgers for the wild card. And now you're a whole game back because you didn't control your own destiny. Um, especially against pitchers that have no business of dominating you the way that John Lester, the way that J.A. Happ, the way that any pitcher in the Pirates rotation has dominated you uh, over these past, over the past week. I mean, they threw Connor Overton, a guy who has only pitched six games in the bigs this year. He just came out of indie ball. And, I mean, he hasn't given up a run so far this year. But to not put up competitive at-bats against a guy who's only made six major league appearances, to only put up one run, uh, which was a sacrifice fly from Mr. Rubel Cabrera. I mean, that's pathetic. The offense is just purely sputtering at this point. Um, and part of that is because, you know, Jesse Winker, uh, a huge cornerstone in this lineup, has been out for the past two, three weeks. Um, fortunately, he's coming back uh, tomorrow, which is very big. Uh, especially with the series coming up against the Dodgers. But overall, even with this, even without him, you got to put up runs. I mean, it's simple as that. Um, like quadruple A tier pitchers being thrown out there and you're only putting up maybe one or two runs maximum against them that can't happen yeah even i mean again no like 
we need Jesse Winker back in the lineup, but I think it's a legitimate concern to say he's been out for so long. How long does it take him to adjust? Because, you know, we were looking over it. We only have 15 games left. If it, if it takes him a whole series to adjust, especially against three of the best pitchers in baseball, that just puts up us further behind than what we already are at. Um, and I think that plays a huge role in coming in. And, you know, it's just like you said, you're, you're facing a guy who has only thrown 10 and two thirds innings this year for a team that is not even close to competing guys that are out there on the big league roster that for the pirates that shouldn't be on any roster um, that are simply there to uh, pass time. They're there to kind of eat innings um, just so they can further along their rebuild process to the point of getting their top prospects up. Um, and I think it's very apparent when this guy has thrown for two teams this year, um, you know, he's thrown for Toronto and he's thrown for Pittsburgh, uh, Connor Overton, but it is unbelievable to me that we cannot, the, the, we can't put up one run against him. And the one run that we put up against a Pittsburgh Pirates team is a sacrifice fly. Um, that just cannot happen. You know, we've gotten, uh, it, it's unbelievable to me that, that in four series, let, let's just say, um, let's just assume that we are on the same level as St. Louis because in the standings, we're almost identical right now. Even if we're better than Detroit, we're better than the Cubs, we're better than the Pirates, and you're telling me we can't go 500 at least against against teams that are just not competing now. And he, even Detroit has gotten better, but at the end of the day, they're still not they're still not a good baseball team and they're not one of the top teams in the league per se. But just like you said, we are literally digging ourselves a hole. You can kiss that division goodbye. 12 and a half games. That is not going to happen, especially with uh, Milwaukee playing the Cubs right now. There is no way that is going to happen. And, it is it's crazy to me to think that right now we're 13 and a half back when we talked a week ago we were eight back so that, that that's five games in what a week and a half that that just cannot happen especially the schedule that we had and you really only had one guy let's not count Nick Senzel because he's been out basically the whole year. You've really only had one guy in your lineup that hasn't consistently been out there playing. You know, you still had Suarez has played the majority of the year. Moustakas has still played the majority of the year when he's healthy. Vado majority of the year. India majority of the year. Stevenson and Tucker still out there. Uh, Castellanos when he's healthy. And then you mainly Naquin in center. Um, but you really only have one guy in Winker and left that's been hurt these past however many weeks. Um, and I think you put it best. It's just completely unacceptable to say four and eight against teams that we should easily be eight and four against. Um, it's completely just I'm, – I'm very – dwindling on on hope that this can be a legitimate like a legitimate powerhouse that we've proven ourselves to be early in the year um i mean against pittsburgh we've put up we've had games where we put up 14 runs and then in a series against three guys that or let's just say the pirates pitching staff in general we can't put up 14 runs in a series against them um, when we've been putting up double-digit runs in series before. 
you know, our, our elimination number right now is three. That is scary. That means you've got to basically nut up or shut up and it's time. You, you win or go home. These are three games that if you win and or if you lose and St. Louis wins, kiss it goodbye because that's it. So, and we've just put ourselves in such a bad position. Right. And, um, you know, to that point, uh, to the outfield sort of uh, situation, you were talking about uh, Winker and his injury. Now Naquin's out. He's out with that bruised rib uh, after the collision with Barrero. And, I mean, that's that's another bat that's gone. So now you are throwing out uh, Aquino or you're throwing out Akiyama, whoever, I mean, pick your poison because, I mean, there's literally no outfield depth at this point. Um, I mean, Aquino puts the bat on the ball. He's got a 405 slugging percentage, but he doesn't get on base. He doesn't hit for average. Um, I mean, when he puts the bat on the ball, it'll go far. But, you know, it. and then you've got Akiyama, who just has consistent playing time uh, this year or last year um, after he was brought in to pretty much uh, fill in outfield depth. And yeah. he, he, he's not hitting for average. I mean, he's great defensively. He's a great defensive presence in the outfield, but he doesn't put the bat on the ball in, you know, in a lineup that's already struggling. So let's just um, stroll down memory lane. We signed Shogo for a three-year, $21 million deal. We're paying this man $7 million a year. Could, that could have easily gone towards um, free agency and and things like like trades at the deadline, things of that nature. But I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's kind of unbelievable to say that we had Sinzel Aquino when he was um, in his rookie year playing that way, and we signed a guy that we're not really playing. I mean, let's just face it; he's Kind of, if if everybody's healthy, he maybe plays, what, 25% of the games all year? Maybe. So, again, right now, it's just a shit storm. I mean, we are getting hailed on at this point. Um, and really, j- just to your point, it, you control your own destiny at this point. I mean, if you win, you're in. If you don't, then there's nothing I can do for you. You know, because as of as of now, if we're playing L.A. and St. Louis is playing San Francisco or uh, San Diego, is playing San Diego. If we drop these three games and one of them, I believe this is, is it one of them wins three games that I think that's our, so I think it's, if we drop three and another team sweeps, so let's say San Diego sweeps St. Louis, we're done. Like we're just done. So you cannot you can't drop another three games. Um, and that's just a very, very tough spot to be in because, again, it, it just puts you at such a little margin of error that you, you have to beat the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and it's legitimately on us because you couldn't do it against John Lester and J.A. Happ. Now you've got to do it against Bueller and Kershaw and Scherzer. Um, so... Really, we're digging our own hole, and 
it's 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 going to be hard. It's going to be very very difficult, especially not to mention that we don't have an off day again until the twenty seventh. So you're going again another eleven days before you get an off day. We're we're in a very 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 rough spot. So. Like I said before, we only have 15 games left this year. Um, So realistically, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, we're dropping two of those Dodgers games, at least. Um, Now, here's where it gets a little more, I think, interesting you know, after this Dodger series, we have three games against Pittsburgh. After this last series, I don't really have a whole lot of faith that we can go out and just dominate Pittsburgh like we have this whole year, um, as, or so it seems, especially, you know, the only win we had, we won one to nothing, one to zero. And as we've come to find out, um, when you rely too heavily on our bullpen, sometimes it will hurt you and it will hurt you in a very bad way. Um, but right now I just don't have a lot of faith that we can go through and cause realistically you've got to win at least 10 out of 15. Um, and that's just a tough, 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 tough feat against some good, good teams like LA good teams that are fighting in the standings, the Dodgers, San Diego, and St. Louis. Right. And, you know, it, it's like you said, it's, it's a tough road ahead. Um, you're facing the three, three of the best pitchers in baseball these next three days. And then, um, you know, you do get a break, uh, hopefully a break <laughs> against the Pirates. Um, and then, you know, hopefully another break against the Nationals. Um, so at this point, you know, you you just keep on fighting. Um, just try to put, start putting the bat on the ball, um, change your approach, whatever you're, you've been doing clearly hasn't been working. Um, hopefully when we face some real major league tier pitchers, maybe that'll get our offense to step up um, moving forward. But like you said, there, if you can't hit uh, – Guys like Jay Happ and John Lester, realistically, what are your chances? Yeah. And you're, I don't want to keep like, like being negative about this, but it's hard, very hard not to be. Um, like, we're really, you're, you're creating your margin of error so little that you have to win one of these games to at least give yourself a chance to stay alive. And I mean, based on the three pitchers that you're staring down, that's not very good odds. Um, So it's just going to be super interesting to see how we as a team kind of handle this because, you know, we scored five runs on the 15th yesterday. We hadn't scored five runs since the 4th, September the 4th, against Detroit. That was actually uh, Tuesday. Yesterday Tuesday. we scored four. Tuesday, Tuesday yes. we scored five, yeah. On the 14th, my apologies. But so it, it took 10 days for you to score at least five runs against teams that just are not good. Like I'm, I'm struggling to like – see this to where we have I I, statistically I think we have statistically one of the best offenses in baseball but 
right now it's just not showing. Um, I think we piled on at the beginning of the year against teams that were not very good, like the Pirates. Um, like scoring 14 runs in a game, and I believe it was almost 30 runs in a series, really helps your uh, run differential. It really helps the amount of runs you score in the stats. But if, if again, if you can't if you can't put up five runs against the Cubs, against the Tigers, against the Pirates, you know, you're not. Let's just say you're not going to put up five against Bueller, Scherzer, and Kershaw, um, and that's just kind of obvious at this point. But um, one thing we do, um, I think, is an interesting discussion is kind of like you said. Um, I think there's really only two position battles right now that are really going on um, as of this moment. I think it's pretty obvious that Suarez and Mustakas are going to split time. Um, and India is going to play second. Votto is going to play first. Stevenson and Barnhart are going to split time. Uh, Castellanos is in right. And when Weaker comes back, he will be in left. Um so I think it's a um, – I think the two positions right now with um, Farmer and Barrero and then in center or in the outfield. Let's just say in the outfield. Um, you've really got Schrock, Aquino, Akiyama, and let's just throw in Naquin when he's not hurt. So – I think an interesting discussion is, um, especially with what happened last year in the wild card game, where we had Barrero up and played the majority of games during that last stretch of the season. And then the postseason got around in the first game, and you look at the lineup and Kyle Farmer's playing. Um, and it was very, very interesting to see, like, Okay, so we just played a a rookie for the majority of the time at shortstop. And now when the game's like when it's winter go home, he's not playing. Um I I am among the I don't want to say pro Kyle Farmer, but I don't see a point in playing Barrero for these like let's last 15 let's say he plays 10 or 11 out of these last 15 are we really going to change is he is david bell really going to change the mindset of okay well i'm going to throw kyle farmer out there because he's played with us the whole year he's a veteran he likes more experience on the field in playoff situations what kind of what's the point to me right that really there's no point in starting a guy who spent most of the season in the minors. Um, you know, obviously it's all well and good that, you know, you want to give a guy, one of your top prospects, uh, some time in the field. Um, but at this point in the season, you do that through pinch hit opportunities and defensive substitutions. Um, really, farmers carry the load all year. Um, he's proven himself, uh, as really the gold standard. So I think I'm, I'm with you there in, you know, farmer, you give farmer the start. Um, there's really no other, uh, substitute for him right now. So, um, you know, I mean, He's performed, uh, and really, there, there's no other, like I said, no other guy you can really throw in there uh, at this point. Yeah, and as earlier in the year, when we kind of spoke on this, um, like, if when we brought in Kyle Farmer, nobody expected him to be um, have the statistical season that he's had. Um, and again, maybe you can chalk it up to that great month that he had that really, that's why his stats look like that. But 
honestly, I think we shot so low that anything that we got was going to be better. Um, Barrero is just, to me, all he's proven is that he's more athletic than Kyle Farmer is. Um, you know, and I believe he's had, he ha- I don't think he's had 30 at-bats at the big league level this year. How much can you prove in 30 at-bats? I don't think it's a lot. Um, and it, if maybe, maybe if he did get more playing time, but I think, again, we're at the point in the season where you can't do that. Yeah, he said 21 at-bats this year. So there's not really a lot that you can prove in 21 at-bats. Um, again, three at-bats a game. Let's just say it's seven games. You played seven games, and that's going to define who we start for the rest of the year for our playoff push. Not a chance. After Kyle Farmer's been playing all year, no. No way. Um, I think this is a classic. Jose Barrero is 23 years old. Um I think this is a classic Kyle Farmer starts until this year ends. And then next year you, you throw your second baseman of the future out there at second base and you throw your shortstop of the future, Jose Barrero out there at short. Um, If, if Kyle Farmer is still starting next year after we've brought after we've shifted up and down last year and this year, after we've shifted Barrero up and down, up and down, up and down, that would be a damn shame because you've given him kind of what it's like to be in the clubhouse um, experience with that team chemistry with the coaching staff. And then we're just going to still throw Kyle Farmer out there. Yes. He was a, he was a good um, filler, but I viewed him as, a Jose Iglesias as a Freddie Galvis to where we know what we're getting. And if we get anything above that, awesome. But after this year, see you later. Um, You can be a utility player if I'm not completely sure if he's still under contract, but if, um, you know, you can still be a utility player moving around, especially for um, second and short, kind of moving back and forth, but to say that Jose Barrero shouldn't be our starting starting shortstop next year, I think would just be silly. Um, He's proven enough to you to where he has pure athleticism and can make plays that Kyle Farmer just can't. So I'm, I'm among the crowd of I'm starting Farmer until the end of this year whether that's at the end of the regular season or we get eliminated in the playoffs or we win the whole damn thing. But after that, I think it's got to be move on fresh, fresh foot forward. Right. And, you know, it it would be nice to keep, like you said, to keep farmer around uh, as a utility guy. Um, Unfortunately, this is his last year under contract. He's only got a one-year contract, uh, making about six hundred million. So, um, it it would be really nice to keep him around. But wait, did I say six hundred million? I meant six yeah six hundred thousand. It seems like he's making six hundred million, huh? <laughs> yeah, um, but. Uh, yeah, like you said, with the way that we've sort of uh, built Barrero up, um, it's to keep Farmer in that starting role. There's no reason to do it. Um, you know, it's it would be time for him to kind of step aside uh, and let the future sort of take over. I I feel like this is the same sort of conversation uh, we had with Barnhart. Um, and Stevenson, um, you know, they would be really nice to carry two catchers that are really good, but, you know, at some point, uh, you just gotta let the other guy move over and let the future take over. Um, so to your point, uh, farmer 
should absolutely be on the lineup card at shortstop uh, the rest of the way this year, every single game. Uh, but next year, uh, I think that is Jose Barrera's time to shine. Yeah, exactly. And um, there's another kind of position battle in the outfield, like I, I mentioned. So um, I'm let's just take Nick one out of it um, with 15 games left. We're not really sure. Maybe. Do you know if he's returning or not? Have you um, seen anything? I saw that Bell said that he wasn't progressing well. Which is not very encouraging, so <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Um, so let, let's just assume that he doesn't play the rest of the year. Um, so let, let's and Sinzel is not going to play, um, which is a shame. But um, you've got uh, Akiyama, Aquino, and Shrock, and then when, when Winker comes back, you got Winker and Castianos. So I think um, you ride until you die there. Winker and Castellanos have to start in left and right. Um, I don't think that's any kind of um, discussion there. I think it's obvious. But center, what are we doing in center? Like wh- what would you – if you had to pick one or two for the rest of the year into the postseason – who are you taking? I mean, shit. I guess go righty lefty. Um, lefty righty. Um, like I said last week, you know, Max Schrock is very serviceable, but he's not the guy that you start every single day in center field. Um, and, you know, Aquino, like I said, ever since that absolute tear uh in august of 2019 he's fallen off the deep end shogo uh hasn't gotten consistent playing time so he's not performing um you know i i guess you throw shrock in there against righties and then hope and pray that aquino can put the bat on the ball against lefties um really no other way to put it yeah um i was thinking the exact same thing along the same lines because i I, when i was looking at the splits and i think it's interesting that um we've kind of we've kind of had that experiment at third base already this year with suarez and moustakis um even at behind the plate with stevenson and barnhart but you're looking at so Schrock has a 329 average, which on paper is awesome because he has almost 100 at bats. But you're looking at his splits and his total. Um, he has 79 at bats. His his splits right versus left um, against lefties he's hitting 167, and against righties he's hitting 342. However. I think it, it shows even more that we should go the route of the lefty-righty split. 73 of his 79 at-bats have, have been against right-handed pitching, and he's still hitting 342 against that. Um, he's only had six at-bats against left-handers. So I think it is – there's a reason he's hitting 342 against – right-handed pitching because he is not playing every single day. Um, and Aquino, there's no other way to put it than what you said. You got to hope and pray that he puts a bat on a ball and, and puts a ball in play. Um, you know, I'm going to sidetrack here for a second. I sent you a, a picture um, during the, one of the pirates games and it was very, um, I like it's of the game cast on on MLB.com. Um, and it shows the track of pitches and uh, kind of like their spin rate velocity, stuff like that. 
And then it shows, you know, where they're at in consideration to the strike zone. And when I say that this ball was in the other batter's box, this ball was halfway in the other batter's box. And um, Cassiano's not picking on one individual hitter, but it, it seemed like it was all over the place. Some of these pitches we are swinging at. Um, I don't know if it's being too overly aggressive maybe, but this ball was legitimately eye height level and in the other batter's box, halfway in the other batter's box. And he fouled it off, but if you're swinging at that, like I, I don't understand what it was. It was a fastball that was that the catcher barely put a glove on, and we're we're swinging at it. Um, you know, I, I I just can't maybe taking a step back and seeing a little bit more, especially from a team like the Pirates. I know I got sidetracked a little bit, but that is crazy to me to see um, to see that caliber of hitter swing at a low 90s fastball that is legitimately three feet out of the strike zone like legitimately three feet out of the strike zone um that was just unbelievable to me right something's got to change in your approach um you know that's i i feel like that's alan zinter needs to have like a discussion with the hitters, like a team meeting of all position players. And he needs to tell them, look, we got to change our fucking approach. We're swinging at shit that is literally in the other batter's box that is bouncing in front of the plate. I mean, we're taking Javier Baez to your hacks out here right now. (laughs) Um, it, it something needs to change, right? We're like you said, we've got three games to play with here. That that is our margin for error. That is incredibly small at this point in the year. And I mean, you you lose two games against the Dodgers. I mean, you're already your back is against the wall. So something needs to change and it needs to change now. There's no other way to put it. It's something in our hitting approach just needs to, to be fixed here. Yeah. Um, So to speak on the, the graphic that I sent you, the picture that I sent you, it was, it was a 91 mile an hour fastball and it was legitimately clocked at almost three feet out of the strike zone um that's just it's mind-boggling to me right you can say something because it because it was an o2 count and you know you can say some you can say something about protecting the plate that ball's in the other batter's box i mean that should just be an automatic take and and to mention it was it was a fastball it wasn't like a it, let's just say a like a curveball that bounces in front of the plate, or like a, a slider that ends up in the other batter's box. Some it was something that started legitimately two feet outside the batter's box and stayed two feet outside the batter's box. Um, like I, there's just no other way to put it. That was just crazy to me. But beyond that. Castellanos is obviously starting. Winker is obviously starting. And I think the smartest thing to do is the approach of um, the approach of the lefty-righty split going forward. Um, you know, it's hard to say that when you have really – Aquino was awesome his rookie year. But honestly, as a hitter this year, it's hard to have one ounce of faith in that guy at the plate. Um, and he got screwed over on a call that was, you know, on the on the line of the batter's box on the inner half, a fastball that was called a strike. But 
you know, it's I've never enjoyed watching guys who consistently just go up and strike out. Um, he strikes out a ton. And especially with this lineup, when you've got guys like India, Castellanos, and Mato that get on base at a high rate, striking out is probably the worst thing you could do. Um, I would it, – it's, again, playing to the lineup. You have three guys at the top of your lineup that get on base at such a high clip that if striking out is just wasting an out at that point. You're, you're just wasting an out in that inning um, because legitimately we have guys on base and a, a fly ball to move runners over or a, a ground ball to score a run is – a lot better than, you know, you've got a 10% chance of hitting it out of the yard, but then you've got a 35 to 40% chance of striking out. Um, I've, I've never enjoyed it. And it was awesome to see him again when I think to speak on the point of you, when you said he hits it, he hits it a long way. Exactly. The point in his rookie year um, when he hit it, he was hitting all those home runs in a row, but then you saw, you're kind of starting to see the, okay, well now he's not putting the bat on the ball. So what he's not drawing any walks. Um, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where Aquino is really a two outcome hitter um, in a sense, but he's not putting the bat on the ball enough to be that two outcome hitter. Um, and I, I hate watching it, especially because we have guys, again, that just get on base so much that a little bloop here or there could really change some of these games. But I will mention these uh, these past games. This pitching staff has been um, very, very, very good. Um, like, again, t- just to mention today, you know, one to nothing win over the Pirates, Maui, Sims, Lorenz, and Givens. I mean, that's 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 hard to do, even against the Pirates. It's it's difficult to shut out a major league baseball team, and you know, to have ten strikeouts in a game, you only walked three batters. This this is what really stuck out to me. So we gave up six hits total in the ball game, which is which is good. All six hits happened in the um, the first seven innings, but then two of our three walks happened in the ninth. Um, one thing about Givens that I would like to point out is that um, he walks hitters at an extremely high rate, and that comes with the territory of strikeout pitchers, but... It's very um, – we're walking a thin line on some of these games where it was first and second or second and third maybe with two outs in the ninth. And the only reason those two guys were on base were because of walks. Um, you're walking a really thin line to where you make one mistake and a ball goes in the gap and you lose that game. Um, I really think that if – because he does throw upper 90s, if I would rather throw 95, um, I'd rather throw 95 under control than 97 and 98 with no control. Um, but I, I will say, Mally, Sims, Lorenz, and Givens, we didn't even have to use Sessa. That's an awesome showing from the bullpen. Right. The, the bullpen has just absolutely stepped up. Uh, especially this past series, um, you know, Wade Miley didn't have a, uh, a very good start in that first game, uh, went four and a third, uh, gave up five earned runs. The rest of the way, the bullpen just completely shut down that that Pittsburgh offense. And, uh, I mean, you could say it's, it's the Pirates, but that's a huge confidence booster, even if it is the Pirates especially after how this bullpen has performed this year. Um, 
And then the second game, Gutierrez uh, only went uh, three and two thirds, uh, gave up four runs. Um, and then obviously, uh, Justin Wilson, Tony Santion, Lorenzen, uh, Lucas Sims, uh, we're all used in that game. Uh, no earned runs between all, all four of those guys. Um, obviously, the walk up, well, walk off from uh, Givens, um, but he comes back out the very next day and he shuts the door. So that that is a huge confidence booster. Um, and then Tyler Malley continuing his excellence uh, as well. So, yeah, this pitching staff's on fire right now. Yeah, it's that, just the that's the offense. Sick. Yeah, um, exactly. Just giving that cushion. That second game, I mean, after Gutierrez gives up four runs in three and two thirds, to come in the next four and a third, give up three or four hits, only walk one batter, and strike out five in that four and a third, that's very impressive, especially considering you're throwing in Justin Wilson and Tony Santion in there. Um, I know Wilson was to just get one out, but uh, again, it's just, it's awesome to see that even when now it, it's awesome to see, but it's also very uh, um, sad to see that when one part of our team really steps up one facet of the team really steps up. It seems like the other facet really takes a step back. Um, like for example, earlier on in the year when we were scoring at a very high clip, it seemed like we were also giving up runs at a very high clip. Um, and I think it's the same way for like right now, we're not scoring a whole lot of runs, but we're also not really giving up a whole lot of runs. It's just the fact that we are, um, we're giving up obviously more than we're scoring, but that's not, I don't think that's on the pitching staff whatsoever. Because again, you, you put together games where, you know, you, you, you throw your bullpen out there for the majority of the game and you give up a walk-off hit after only giving up four hits through four, four and a third innings, like uh, to me, we lost, but looking at specifically the bullpen, I'm fine with that. I'm I'll take that every day of the week, especially, especially cause we, again, we didn't have to use Sessa and Givens was the one that gave up a, the walk-off hit, but just like you said, came out the very next day and, you know, walked the two batters, but got the save. So, um, some other news around baseball is next year's all-star game is being played in Seattle. Um, that is to me a very good thing. Um, I, I like it because like we were talking about before, um, Seattle is on the up and up. This team was just like San Francisco, crazy to think about, but just like San Francisco in. These none nobody ranked Seattle or San Francisco at the beginning of the year, probably above what 2022, 20, somewhere in there. And now you've got Seattle four games out of a wild card spot, and you've got um, San Francisco, probably the best team in baseball this year, um, up to this point. So to me, it's awesome to see. Um, some of those guys that are going to be all-stars next year get the kind of recognition for that. Um, and just mainly on uh, the West Coast with both of those teams and even the Dodgers being kind of the juggernaut of this year. But um, to see San Francisco and Seattle and then to see the all-star game being held in Seattle, that would be – that's just an awesome. Right. I mean – uh, I believe Dakota had uh, Seattle dead last in the West. And, you know, it, it's really insane to see what they've done. Uh, just a really young team uh, that's stepped up. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, they may not make it 
this year, but really um, it puts a lot of eyes on their product. Um, like you said, this is a team that's flown under the, under the radar, uh, especially for their performance this year. Um, they've, they've got a lot of exciting ball players on that team. So, um, you know, it will be interesting to see uh, the impact that it has for them as a franchise. Yeah. And um, also to mention kind of eyes on Cincinnati on Sunday night, um, Sunday night baseball, ESPN coming to Cincinnati, I believe for the first time since early 2010s, I think, um, and playing LA, there's no better spot than now. I mean, you really, there's just no other way to put it. Um, you really gotta, if you're going to do it, you gotta do it now. And it's on the big stage and all eyes are on us. Right. Um, I believe it was maybe 2013, 2014, the last time Sunday night baseball came to Cincinnati. Um, so this, this is really exciting. Um, you know, prime time on ESPN, there's nothing like it. Um, and hopefully, you know, it'll get us to step our game up a little bit, um, you know, facing, like we, like I said, the three best pitchers uh, in the major leagues this year, Bueller, Scherzer, Kershaw. There is no better time for your offense to, to step up and, you know, maybe those bright lights will provide uh, the fuel that will get this offense going. Yeah, hopefully um, hopefully Castellanos can kind of show the MVP candidate that he has been or was before he got hurt. Um, and ultimately, I just – it's very um, – I think it's more of a motivation – because as a fan, I re- Joey Votto, I want to see him in the postseason and go deep in the postseason so bad. He's done so much for this city, dragging us, dragging the dead carcass of our team to the playoffs um, in those early 2010 years where, you know, we, we had other guys around, but having an MVP type of year with a 450 on base and hitting almost 40 home runs, like dragging us to the playoffs. And um, it it would just be awesome to see him get kind of the recognition he deserves or even a ring before he retires. Because, again, let's face it, not getting any younger. Hit that man a fucking ring already. Seriously. And we'll end right there. See you in episode 11.